It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you'd like to be part of the program here, 800-848-WABC is the number, 800-848-9222. We have a busy day. Not often do I agree with Farid Zakaria. He has a a piece in whatever it is that he writes that he writes with whatever publication it is I forget whether it's the uh it's the Washington Post uh that I that struck me because it's like wait a minute I, I'm agreeing with this and that's very strange uh there is housing news that we will uh, talk about you know the the real things politics aside right we deal with reality on this show and the housing market is a real thing. You know, it was a buyer's market long ago. It turned into a seller's market. Prices all over the country just just raising the roof. People bidding on properties once they hit the marketplace. <clears throat> and now all of a sudden in the last two or three weeks, in certain places in America, the price of houses is starting to go down. You see warehouses were staying on the market maybe a week, three or four days, a day. Now you can see houses that are staying listed for 20, 30 days, and people are starting to make cuts. I saw a property that was uh, dramatically cut, like $24,000, $25,000, and it's just like, oh, somebody wants to sell. Hmm. So it's starting perhaps to turn into a buyer's market. We have the emergence of something we haven't seen in a while, which is the zero income, the zero, zero interest loans. In other words, come to us if you're broke, we'll still, still give you a loan. Now anyone old enough to remember what that does to an economy will remember that the United States went into a serious recession when the housing bubble burst over these loans that people had taken up, they could never afford the housing. Now, this also, like so much else in the United States, involved race, racism. Because during the Clinton years, here's the long, the, the short story of that. During the Clinton years, supposedly Janet L. Reno, the then uh, attorney general under Bill Clinton, and Bill Clinton decided... Well, you know, we're going to be less racist. We're going to go after these banks that are redlining, blah, 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 blah. So they started putting pressure on banks that they say were discriminating against people. And as a result, the banks, well, what the hell? We'll just offer loans to people we know can't repay them. Keep the government off of our back. And so that happened. And then all of a sudden, what happened after that was people stopped paying. Of course, they couldn't afford the loans anyway. They stopped paying back on them. We had a whole bunch of worthless paper out there. What did Wall Street do? They they bought these things, they repackaged them, and they sold all this worthless these worthless loans all around the world. When the when the bill came due on all this worthless paper, that is when we started plunging. The economy started plunging, and that led to a huge meltdown across the world. Those people, you you may remember this, these companies like Lehman Brothers and all that, all these companies, these financial houses with all the smartest of the smarts went out of business. 
No one was ever held accountable for any of this. And this is something that is present in the financial sector. The people that run the show make billions of dollars. I sound like maybe to some of you might sound like a liberal, but I'm not, and you know better. But it's, it's, it, is, it is so annoying to see this happen in our society over and over again. People in the Wall Street sector and the investment sector, who, by the way, are a bunch of liberals for the most part. Most people think, oh, they're in finance, they're rich, they're wealthy, they must be Republicans. Oh, hell no, they're not. They're a bunch of rich Democrats who figured out how to scam the system better than anyone else. Right? And so you had all these wealthy folks that made tons of money because they make their money buying or selling. They'll buy and make money, they'll sell something for someone else. They're they're the third, they're, they're the the third wheel. They're the, the in-between guys, the brokers. They make their money. And you had a lot of these rich financial houses that made money on these zero-interest loans. These It doesn't matter whether your credit history sucks. We'll still give you money loans. They made their money, and when everything collapsed, they got out of Dodge. No one's ever held accountable. There was an interesting role that Chuck Schumer had in that great recession. It dealt with the Indy Bank. Ah, it's in the weeds. I don't even want to go in there today. But anyway, we'll talk about that. Of course, the queen, Fareed Zakaria. Queen Elizabeth decided to be boring for Britain's sake. Zakaria says, for me, the most striking aspect of Queen Elizabeth II's 70-year reign was her iron determination to be boring. In those seven decades, she rarely let slip her views about any of the great political and public events over which she presided. She never even hinted her views on any of the glittering public figures with whom she dealt. We don't know what she thought about Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Margaret Thatcher, and we never will. Elizabeth was the most disciplined public figure of the past century. In a confessional age where we post every idea, urge, impulse, and image that pops into our heads, this woman kept her own counsel. As Tina Brown, author of the fascinating book, The Palace Papers, notes, Elizabeth was careful even at her own family's weddings and funerals, rarely smiling or weeping, always maintaining dignity and the appearance of detachment. That was her interpretation of her role as a constitutional monarch, one who leads all the people and never takes sides. And she played it better than anyone else has. Even during the contentious debate over Brexit, she never let slip her own preferences. Then Prime Minister David Cameron had to apologize in person for revealing that she was pleased that Scotland voted down independence in its own referendum. It's easy to think of Britain's royal family as leading a charmed life. They get to live in grand palaces enjoying the world's attention and, for the most part, adulation. I might add, some of them get to fly on planes like Lolita Express. 
and dwaddle with underage girls. That's just an aside. That's all true. But the queen demonstrated the other side of that coin, that doing it right, fulfilling one's duty, can be hard and unsparing in its own way. An endless stream of public duties, large and small, must be fulfilled. Above all, it requires an abnegation of the self. And that is pretty profound. And I I agree much with the sentiment that Fareed Zakaria, who I never, to this um, uh, that I'm aware of until right now, have agreed with anything that this guy said. I think he's, well, never mind what I think he is. I'm trying to be reserved. But I think it is fascinating. Now, what did we used to think? This. This very idea of neutrality, of not showing what side you're on, not telling what you think of a person. This is what we used to subscribe to really good journalists. We wouldn't know what a journalist thought. We wouldn't know whether they were Republican or Democrat. What we knew is that a journalist, a really good journalist, would report the news with no bias. They would tell us who, what, when, where, and why. That's what they would tell us. They wouldn't interject their personal feelings. In fact, we didn't think many of them even had feelings. They wouldn't grace us with their opinions. They wouldn't offer us, if they were on television, smirks and dirty looks behind stories that they did to reveal their disdain. Why, they wouldn't tell us anything, a really good journalist. Now we live in an age where almost every journalist has to interject their feelings on the story. They have to become part of the story. They have to. We have to know what they think as if somehow they are important and their opinion is important rather than the news story. This is, to me, a, and Fareed is no different than we know what Fareed thinks, which is why very rarely, in fact, this is the first time I recall ever agreeing with him, because we know what he thinks. We know he's just another one of these left-wing hacks that pretends to be a journalist. And I don't say that to disparage him, but we know his feelings. But this is what I think many of us in this country would like to see journalism return to. I often say, you know, I support very much, very much conservative media because that's where you can get stories that the mainstream media ignores every day. In fact, I issue my own news blast twice a day, the Daily BS. You can sign sign up at boastnerdly.com, jamesgolden.com. The Daily BS, we send your news feed twice a day, and it's powered by American Wire News. Because American Wire News is one of the places that you can get the stories that you will not get if you scour the Washington Post, if you scour the New York Times, if you scour the L.A. Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Atlanta Constitutional, 
I used to love Rush used to call it the Atlanta urinal and constipation. It was um uh so what we what you do is you can get the stories you don't see there. But in my in my world, what I would love to see eventually is no more conservative press, no more liberal press, just an honest press, just a press that tells you the truth about things, that doesn't try to slant you one way or another. Here's what is happening in society. And let you make up your own mind as to whether you agree or disagree with a policy. Or if you find someone's actions reprehensible, like, for instance, these college professor, this college professorette over at Carnegie Mellon who wished the queen an excruciating death as she was dying. I mean, how vile a human being are you? Is that this is the best you can come up with. And I think that those, by the way, those kind of, those kind of people like this professorette, and there's another one that spoke up pretty much echoing that sentiment. They, they don't even understand that they're defeating their own position. I think people can, a, a professor, a college professor, would do much better explaining why he or she found England's role as a colonial power, as a commonwealth power, to be objectionable and to talk about the harm that it's done without trying to personalize it in the form of the queen. After all, in England, the queen and the king haven't been running the show. Let's be real. They're figureheads. They do ceremonial duties. They represent the image of the country. But they're not setting policy. The policy is set in parliament. The problem, there, since the days of Cromwell, by the way, speaking of that, Charles III, I gotta hope he doesn't run into the same kind of fate as Charles I. You don't know what happened to Charles I. Charles I was beheaded. Charles I ran into Oliver Cromwell, the Puritans. And they said, you know what? No, 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 no. This was a precursor to what would happen in America almost. They got tired of the constitutional monarchy. I mean, the monarchy, they wanted the power of parliament. The king just saw the parliament as his personal piggy bank. They're like, no, 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 we run the place. You are a monarch. And when he didn't go along with it, they chopped his head off. Cromwell took over as kind of the de facto dictator. Well, years later, I'm, I'm so just fleeting through English history here. Many years later, when the monarchy was returned, The the monarch that came back in was so embittered. This was, of course, Charles's line, Charles II. They dug up Cromwell's grave and beheaded the they beheaded the dead body. I'm not kidding. They were so incensed after they the monarchy returned to power. Anyone connected with beheading Charles I were themselves subjected to that horror. horror and they even dug up Cromwell's body and beheaded it. In the English, I'll tell you, they have a, they have some history. Anyway, Charles III has formally been proclaimed the king. 
I heard Curtis railing against the monarchy only a, a little bit earlier. I, you know, I, I, I get it. I'm not a, a royalist. I'm not one of these guys that's utterly fascinated with the lives of the royals. And I love the fact that we're the ones that, the, one of the first powers that said, screw this. We're out of this monarchy. We want to be a republic. And I love that about our history. Well, we have a deep connection with England. And I love American and English history. And, yes, they are a wicked colonial power. If you look at most, I have said this for decades, if you look at most of the problems in the world today, they stem back to one country, and that country is England. If you look at the divisions in the Middle East, if you look at at so many problems around the world, and you go back in history, where did this start? Where did these problems start? They started with the English takeover of those countries. And so... By no means my royalist, but at the same time, I have great respect for the the monarchy and the and 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 the traditions. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. James Golden, most nerdy with you. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming back right after this. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. We played this bumper yesterday. We're going to play it again today. This is ABBA. Of course, you know the song. That's right, honey. Come on, yeah, keep it up, keep it up. Come on, come on, baby. You can you can dance in the morning. Doesn't matter that you're in your nightgown, honey. Twist it, work it. Put your hands up in the air like you just don't care. Come on, sway with me. All right, Albert brings us back on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy with you. Okay, this is the story that I alluded to earlier. Critics see major red flags over new zero down payment mortgages that led to the Great Recession. This is an American Wire News story in an attempt to cater specifically to blacks and Hispanics. Here we go again. A number of banks are repeating the state and the mistakes that preceded the Great Recession, offering home mortgages with no closing costs no down payments, and no minimum credit score requirements. Leading the charge, BOA, Bank of America, which is offering all three to anyone of any race who lives in a predominantly black or Hispanic neighborhood. So here you go. Uh, no closing costs, no money down, no <laughs> minimum credit cards required. Come in, get your loan. 
Okay. The plan also requires no minimum credit score with eligibility focused instead on a borrower's solid track record of rent payments. Well, at least there's that. Monthly bills like utilities and phones. So if you pay your utilities, your phone bill on time, your rent, then come on in, grab a loan. TD Bank, they're Canadian. They launched a similar program that includes a $5,000 lender credit that qualifying borrowers can use on home purchases, closing costs, or down payments. Qualifying borrowers must meet certain credit and income parameters as well as reside in a participating market. So these are in certain markets. Now, here we go again. No money down, zero interest, and all that. Many of you remember Barney Frank. Barney Frank sat on the uh, banking committee that oversaw oversight of these banks and these loans. And for years, we tried. He was railing and railing about how Bush was racist. This was back in Bush 43 days, how Bush was racist. He was on the committee that oversaw these loans. Paul Shanklin, white comedian Paul Shanklin, did a brilliant parody that we used to use on the Rush Limbaugh show. I have that parody. It's all about this. So let's play it. Barney Frank. Congressman Barney Frank as the banking queen. God have a flame. You can build, you can buy, any heart your house desires, your heart desires, zero down, financing, I am the banking queen.
You can build, you can buy. Any house your heart desires. Zero down. Financing, I am the banking queen. Well, Bernie's the banking queen. That's right, so here we go again. Zero down. Get the house your heart desires. Don't worry about financing. The bank's got you covered. This is, I mean, what on earth could possibly go wrong? Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Tupac Shakur brings us in on WABC Talk Radio 77, which is interesting. Uh, here's a news story today from the New York Post. Uh, Tupac Shakur was arrested for allegedly attacking an elderly man with a baseball bat while he sat on a bench outside of a hospital. The 34-year-old woman named Tupac Amaru Shakur, (laughs) appeared before a Miami-Dade County judge on Wednesday, exactly 26 years after Tupac was fatally shot in Las Vegas back in 1996. Shakur, that would be the accused criminal, allegedly hit the man several times with a bat outside of Hialeah Hospital around 11.30 a.m. Tuesday morning. Well, at least he didn't have to go far after Tupac Shakur beat him up with a bat. The man that was being beaten with the bat ripped the bat away from Tupac Shakur, and then he ran into the hospital. Smart move. She followed him inside and claimed she was the one being attacked with the bat. Now, Tupac Shakur, this one was homeless, lives in the area. The man suffered injuries to his face, his upper lip, his right arm, his right hand, his right leg in the attack. He refused to stay in the hospital. After uh, reviewing the security footage, police located Tupac Shakur. And uh, arrested him. Her. She was taken to the Turner Guilford Knight Correctional Center. She's charged with aggravated battery on a person 65 or over. Now remember, we some of us used to call two pack one pack. What are you looking? What one pack? Because he had a testicle shot off. So remember. In one of the, you forgot about that. I didn't forget about that. I mean, who could, I mean, that's a painful thing. But at least he still had one. So that's why we called him one pack, not two pack. Uh, Martha Stewart is in the news too. Now, here's a story. This is another American, I'm telling you, American Wire News is all over. They've got the good stories. But I have to say, Tom Tillerson is one of my favorite writers. 
Tom, you're a bit sexist, bro. You're, Tom, this, I want to read what you wrote. This is not James Golden, aka Snurdly. This is Tom Tillerson, the writer over at American Wire News. And I just want to stress that because some of these sentiments are not my sentiments. They belong to Tom Tillerson. <clears throat> Tom Tillerson begins his story on Martha Stewart this way. While cosmetic surgery and drugs like Botox can do wonders these days, there are some things that were just not meant to be, like a topless 80-year-old woman. Really? Martha Stewart is a savvy entrepreneur. She appears to understand that in the age of Kim Kardashian, skin cells which may explain why the 81-year-old television personality appeared topless in a video plugging a brand of coffee. In sharing the clip on Twitter, Stewart urged her followers to go, hashtag, fall natural, while wearing little more than an apron that thankfully covered her aging goods. Oh, hi there. Well, we have the clip. Let's play it, Diego. Oh, hi there. I'm just enjoying the natural flavor of pumpkin spice from Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. And nothing else, literally. Just look at this. A thing of natural beauty. No, 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 not me. My Green Mountain Coffee Roasters pumpkin spice coffee. It's made with natural flavors. That means they've stripped away the artificial and left nothing but goodness. What can I say? We have a lot in common. Mm. Martha Stewart says this. I walk around in a bathing suit, yo. So if I can walk around in a bathing suit or a strapless dress and feel good, I can walk around in an apron with nothing underneath, Tom Tillerson. And as for my aging good, Snoop didn't complain, bro. I mean, wait, I don't now let me clarify. We don't know whether that's a thing. However, we have, have we not? Have you you guys have seen Snoop and don't be quiet in there. I'm asking, come on. You've seen Snoop with Martha Stewart, haven't you? Yeah. Is he? Oh yeah, brother, I have. You you've seen you've seen Snoop. Oh yeah, and you know what's so funny? Like some of the places I go to, like the convenience stores in New Jersey, there's little pictures by the registers that has both of them together on it. Uh huh. Snoop and Martha. Snoop and Martha. And I remember the one day I was just like, hmm, I wonder, you know, like I see them on TV a lot. Are they like dating or something? Mm hmm. You know, um, some people are saying that Pete Davidson and her might be a thing now. So she, you saying she gets around? What are you saying? I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you saying here? <laughs> some people are saying Pete Davidson is the one getting around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Mars is making a round. I don't know. Yo, come on. 
All I know is that when I've seen her with Snoop, she looks very satisfied. She has that nice little contented smile on her face, you know. So, and and let me say something about that. The picture of Martha Stewart in the apron, you know, it's hard to believe she's eighty-one years old. She looks great. So, Tom, tell us in American Wire News, you may want to do an addendum to this story about her aging goods. <clears throat> Apparently, some people are okay with that. Let us head to the telephones, why don't we? Jeffrey and Dan over Minnesota. Welcome. Thank you for holding. You're on Boston Early Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, James. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. Hey, I want to call. I want to take a different perspective on Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, on them sending the illegal um, the illegals to other uh, liberal cities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I disagree with it. Why? I, I think they need to right is right and wrong is wrong. Okay. Right is right is send them back to where they came from. That is what President Trump did, and that is what these. Two gentlemen need to do also. But see, I, 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 can I can I just stop you there, and I and I'll and, and we'll have a discussion about this. They can't send them back. They un, under the law, the only people that can deport illegal immigrants back to their country of origin would be the the executive branch, the administration. The governors don't have that power to deport them back to repatriate them to their own countries. That is a federal. Thing. Now, what the governors can do is do what they've done, which is to say, hey, here's a bus. Don't you want to go to New York? It's a beautiful city. Or don't you want to go to Washington, D.C. and say hi to Joe Biden? But they can't repatriate these illegal immigrants back to their own countries. So I did not know that. But I'm thinking if the governors can take over their borders, which the federal government should be doing, and if the federal governors can also start putting up the wall, which is what the federal government should be doing. Abbott said he is, is – I'm going to stop you here. Governor Abbott has indicated that the state is finishing the wall that's, that President Trump started in several areas. Now, they may not have the resources to complete the whole job, but Abbott is has instructed um, in certain areas of the state – for the sections of the wall to be completed. Go ahead. Correct. Correct. And you're supporting my point. I was, I, that was my point. If, if the governors are able to do that, and that's good that they are, I support that, of course. Um, but I think maybe they could find a creative way to get these people back to where they belong. I didn't know, truly, I'm learning something this morning, so thank you very much. I did not know that only the federal government could send them back to their countries. Well, he doesn't have the power. Now, by the way, let me just say this. I'm going to have to double-check that. I am surmising that based on my reading of the constitutional powers that are invested in the presidency, not in the state governments. The president has the option, the executive branch, to make that kind of an international call. That Those powers are not invested. And that, by the way, is the legal that's where the legal rubberness has always been, because anytime these governors have said, okay, we're going to start doing um, immigration policy like this, the administration, the Democrat administration, has ended up taking those, those governors to court and saying, no, this is our province. This is not your province. This is what the federal government does. So that's why I'm surmising that. I would have to uh, consult an, an immigration attorney to be 100% sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
Now, <clears throat> what do you think about the fact that right now, Jeffrey, we are overrun? Right now, if you listen to the, the, the podcast that we do here, Red Apple Media podcast, we do On the Border. We've talked with Todd Benzman, who is from the Center for Immigration Studies. And one of the things that we've learned is that this year, the United States is on track to have more illegal immigrants enter this country than any other period in our history. If the numbers hold, we will have 6.4 million new illegal immigrants in the United States this year. 6.4 million. What do you think about that? I think that is absolutely terrible. And I think hopefully in November, the American people come out and vote their displeasure on that. Now, what can we do about it? I'm not, I, I was hoping that the governors could send them, you know, like I told you, I was hoping the governors could start sending them back. So maybe that's not an option. Maybe I didn't do my research or my homework before I called and I apologize. No, no, no need to apologize. This is why we have discussions here. Um, look, here's one of the things that I think needs to happen. And this is sad, but this is, look, let me preface this. I understand the argument against what I'm about to say. That, uh, and the argument deals with humanity. But let us talk about reality and humanity. If you go to Mexico, for instance, and you are an illegal immigrant in Mexico, you go to Mexico, you don't, you, you break their law. You don't get the necessary paperwork. Here's what you can expect. You will go to jail if you're caught. You will be repatriated to the United States. If you come back into Mexico after that, you are subject to stay in jail for 10 years, minimum. If you are an legal immigrant into Mexico, legal, you cannot send your child to Mexican schools. They're not going to pay for your kid. If you, you're you not going to be able to access their health care system in terms of handouts, they're not going to pay for your health care. You are not allowed to participate in political rallies. You, In other words, you're not allowed to participate in their political system. You're not even allowed to protest. You're definitely not going to come to one of their rallies and start waving around the American flag. It's not going to happen. You're not allowed to buy property. You're not allowed to buy it specifically, even if you are legal, you cannot buy property in certain areas like, like waterfront in, in certain areas. You can't buy. In other words, and this is not just Mexico. If you go to every other country almost in the world and you're an American citizen, you are not going to enjoy the same rights that legal immigrants enjoy here, let alone illegal immigrants. No one's going to give you welfare. No one's going to say, oh, you're here illegally? Come on in. Here's your health care for free. We want you to vote in our city elections. Oh, yeah, your kids, let's send them to school on the taxpayer dime. Oh, here's some free lunch for you. It is only the United States of America under Democrats that engage in this kind of stupidity. Why do I call it stupidity? Of course it is compassionate to treat people well. And of course we don't want to see kids suffer. Of course we don't want to see anyone suffer. 
But when you open up the door and you say, hey, come on in and take advantage of us, then people say, okay, let's go in and take advantage of them. And that is what has been happening in America. America has become the sponge of the world. You want to come in this country, we don't even vet you at the borders anymore. Just come on in. Carry whatever disease you want to carry into America. We're not going to even check you. Now, if you're an American citizen or if you're a tennis player coming in from some European country, we will check you. And if you don't have your vax, if you don't have your jab, then we'll tell you, no, you can't get in or you can't do this or you can't do that. But if you're in a legal crossing the borders, what the hell? Come right in. This is the Biden administration. These are the Democrats. Jeffrey, you sparked this. You're a great caller. Hope to hear from you again. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back right after this. Oh, knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Carly brings us back, the beautiful voice of Carly Simon. WABC Talk Radio 77. Diego, have you decided which bumper uh, you're going to uh, present us with a little bit later? I have. Good. Diego has an album out. I asked him to find a bumper selection from his album to play for us a little bit later today. And we shall hear from that uh, later in the show. Meanwhile, listen to what Joe Biden said uh, about uh, Queen, Elizabeth, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. We had a long talk, and she was very generous. Very. Uh, I, I don't think she'd be insulted, but that my much. She reminded me of my mother in terms of the, the look of her and the, you know, just the generosity. Joe Biden talked about Queen Elizabeth II like she was a dog. You know, I mean, talked about, there's an article today about how much his mother hated her, about her, to the point that his mother, uh, went to some hotel that apparently the Queen had slept in, and she slept on the floor rather than sleeping in this, taking a chance that she would be sleeping on the same bed that Queen Elizabeth II slept on. It was a visceral hatred that his mother had for the queen. Worse than that woman at Carnegie Mellon, that professorette at Carnegie Mellon uh, uh, University. I mean, his mother, okay, I understand, Irish. By the way, I have some Irish in my bloodline, too. So, I mean, I get it. You know, Northern Ireland, Ireland, Queen Elizabeth. I get there was no love loss there. But then he comes up, oh, she reminds me of my mother. Joe Biden will say anything to anybody. You cannot believe anything that this guy says. And nor Kamala. I heard Kamala talking earlier about whatever it was that she, you know, Kamala, 
one of these days, they're going to try to find a way to make her sound like she makes sense. And it is very difficult. (sighs) If you'd like to talk about the queen, we're open to that too. I heard Curtis earlier today. Curtis is probably gone now. Otherwise, I'd ask him to come in and just plead. Is Curtis, if Curtis is around, can someone see if Curtis can come in for a few moments, please? Because I heard Curtis ragging on the queen. And I'm just like, what is wrong with this man? You know, I mean, how about a little respect? I mean, they can't even wait until she's not even in the ground yet. And the ragging is so vicious in some quarters. Really? Does she deserve that? She is just, and and this, people that are born into her, Curtis is gone. I'm going to catch up with him during the week. Oh, oh, okay. Curtis is resting after his all-night performance, ragging on the queen. You know, I don't understand this. People are born into a role. She fulfilled her destiny, the role that she was born into. Now, I understand that there are a lot of people that question whether the monarchy should even exist. How dare you be born into something and, you know, you're the winner of life's lottery. You get born into a family and automatically hear all the goods and beautiful life comes to you. Not fair, not fair. Okay, I understand that as an argument, but that's the way of the world. It has been ever since the world existed. The woman was born into a role. She fulfilled her destiny as best she could. As I said earlier... It's not as if the king and queen of England have the power that they once had to decide world affairs. They don't. That part of, that power rests in the parliament. It rests in the constitutional style of government that has been with England now for centuries. They're more figurehead than anything else. Expensive figureheads, but they're figureheads. But even in so doing, she was being, and she's being praised today as someone that that kept the stability in the country. I still admire the way that Queen Elizabeth and the royal family handled themselves during World War II. Many years before I was born, you go back and you read about the bravery that this woman, her sister, and her father took. And by the way, she wouldn't have been on the throne except for the abdication of her uncle, who was a traitor a Nazi traitor, a Nazi-sympathizing traitor. So, I mean, history, obviously, some act of either providence or whatever you want to call it, guided her destiny into the throne. And she lives her life's destiny. Back to the telephones we go. George in the Bronx, thank you for waiting. Uh, Yes, sir. Good morning, Mr. Bowles. How you doing, sir? Good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I just want to call. This is not a political call because it's left wing, right wing. It's the same bird. But anyway, <laughs> I was calling in reference. I was calling in reference to what you said last week about Earth, Wind, and Fire. Hmm. And you said you said Cher, um, uh, Jessica Cleve was the original female lead singer. Mm-hmm. She she wasn't. My godmother was the lead singer of Birth, Wind, and Fire. Whoa. Who was Her your name god- was Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-I, Sherry Scott. 
You can Google it. And she wrote the first hit song, I Think About Loving You. Wait a minute. Sherry Scott is I Think About Loving You, not Jessica Cleves? Oh, no. Sherry got pregnant. And uh, Marie said, you can't be on stage with a swollen belly. And he fired her, actually. What? And, um, and uh, she had the, her first child, uh, Ife. She had Ife, the daughter, who lives in Detroit. But what happened, he fired her for being pregnant, you know, for stage presence, you know. You can't be on stage with us. And she wrote the first hit song, I Think About Loving You. I love that song. I love that song. I think about loving you. I love that song, yeah. Yeah, I love it, too. She's my godmother. But she set the role for the temple of the group being uh, spiritual and about love, peace and love. Wow. Yeah, Sherry Scott. You can Google her, Sherry Scott. And so that's when Jessica came in. And so that's when Jessica came in and did the stage work. She left left Earth. Yes, sir. She left Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, and went to George Clinton. (laughs) She's one of the (laughs) brightest. Oh, wow. Yeah. And George had the greatest stage performance ever because he landed a spaceship on stage. The mothership. The mothership, yes. That is amazing. Is your godmother still with us? He landed the actual spaceship. Thank you. He landed the actual spaceship on stage. Yes. Ain't nobody did that then or now. Now, Earth, Wind, and Fire did the pyramid on the album Spirit. Yes. In 76, 77, when they had the pyramid to peel down and it was behind the pyramids. Uh, I don't know whether you saw the All in All tour by Earth, Wind, and Fire, but the All in All tour was magnificent. And some of the uh, theater that was involved in that was absolutely brilliant. Was that when the drums going up and down around? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did see that. But George Clinton, sir, Parliament. I know. Oh, come on, I'm 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 down with Parliament. I'm down with Parliament, Funkadelic, the whole you know the deal. So listen, that is amazing about your godmother, and I take it your godmother is still with us. You know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't talked to her in six months. Every time I call, the phone's off, and that's that's a bad sign because she never had her phone turned off. So I'm not really sure to answer that question. Well, I and hope that you're part. able to get a hold of her. Okay, thank you, sir. And then wait a minute, one last thing, sir. As towards the queen, uh, nobody said this. I haven't heard no one said this. She was the most dressed woman in the world. That woman knew how to dress. The glove, the coat, the the croissant, the flower, the shoes, everything was on point. All the same color. I mean, she was the dressedest woman on earth. I love you, George. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. We are coming back. Our number duo will be here soon. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, thank you. Our number one is old Christine. Hang in there. I see you call. Eddie, Henry, Anthony, David, everybody on hold. Stay on hold. Going to get to your calls. Later on today, Princess Di, our very own Princess Di, our royalty, our majesty, Princess Di joins us. Later on, we're going to hear from Diego, Diego's premiere album. We have a bumper cut with Diego. Got a lot to go today. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here at WABC. Coming right back after this. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. 
Our number duo, if you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I am looking for a story amidst the hundreds of stories that I have here. And because I heard Governor Hochul, our unelected, unaccountable governor of the state of New York, uh, talk about the mask mandate being over like, I mean, gee, how overdue is this? But there is a story today when I tell you, and I tell you every week, and I know that I, I hope that I'm not boring you with it, that the biggest scandal in human history is called COVID and this pandemic. This is the single biggest scandal in human history, not American history, in human history. Number one, some of the information that was given to the American public about what medicines worked and what didn't work, like hydroxychloroquine, like ivermectin, and there are and what didn't work, from what I understand from a very good source, I can't prove this yet, but from a highly respected source tells me that there are lawsuits that are starting to bubble up now about this drug, whatever it was, Sedevin or whatever it was, in hospitals that was used that supposedly did not do what it was supposed to do. And apparently, Rindesivir, apparently the lawsuits are starting to bubble up around that. So you have that aspect of it. Nate Silver, a few weeks ago, 538, Nate Silver said he suspects that drug companies like Pfizer were influenced improperly into withholding the vaccines until after the election. So there's that political end of it. There was a brilliant study on the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine that came after another study, peer group study, supposedly found that it didn't work. There's that aspect of it. There's the aspect of where the disease started, the gain-of-function stuff, that we have never, ever, ever, ever gotten to the bottom of. And that, by the way, is a huge story. If this was intentionally put into the world, how many deaths has it caused? Where is the accountability? If it wasn't intentionally put into the world, how did it get into the world? And why is nobody in the worldwide press tackling this till we get the answer? How did this COVID-19 virus enter into the world from Wuhan? This is a huge study. Now what we are being told, and Mark Stein has done some brilliant work on this, there are studies popping out all over the place. Princess Di talked about one yesterday. The story was in The Federalist. New CDC data shows COVID shot. Myocarditis concerns are legit. People are having heart issues based on these vaccines. The CD. Excuse me, the CDC is now saying, yeah, this is real. To what extent is this real? Right now, there are so many people that are in certain demographics dying, and the cause of death is called, we don't know.
but a lot of these people were vaccinated and they're suddenly dying. I don't want to be an alarmist. I am not saying for certainty there is a causation between the vaccinations and anything. I am saying that right now there is enough information that should merit an honest investigation into it. Because claims are being made, not only in America, but in Great Britain, in Europe, and across other countries, that young people, especially men, that are healthy in the prime of their life, that have received vaccinations in numbers that are abnormal to the rate of death normally that takes place in that age groups, that there is an abnormality and there's a higher number of young men that are dying suddenly and the cause is quote-unquote unknown. And no one's looking into this to find out whether this is in fact, is this a bunch of malarkey, is it some kind of coup conspiracy theory, or is this real? Again, the CDC has now admitted Here, listen to this. When reports first surfaced in 2021 that some cases of myocarditis, the inflammation of the heart muscle, potentially leading to blood clots and heart attack or stroke, were potentially associated with the COVID-19 vaccine, the corporate media, its fact checkers were quick to label them as misinformation saying the benefits of the vaccine far outweighed its small risk. A year later, though, the media can no longer deny what they called misinformation actually has data to back it up. According to the Vaccine Safety Data Link surveillance data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention conducted in 2022, Within a week of receiving the dose two primary series of the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, there were 14 verified cases of myocarditis or pericarditis among the 102,091 males age 16 to 17 who got the shot. 16 to 17-year-olds. Now, you may say that 14 of them having heart problems is not a big deal. Remember, we shut down the baby-infant formula in this country for less cases than that. We stopped a plant from pushing baby formula on the entire market for less cases than this. Okay? And we still have baby food shortages around America that continues to be unreported. So these 14 cases of 16 to 17-year-olds, remember this, folks. In many states, the state is demanding that your child, 16, 17-year-old, go get these vaccines. They're trying to push it on infants, on toddlers, where there is a 0.01% chance that 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 class of babies would die of anything related to COVID. And they're still demanding that these kids get vaccinated. 
Why? When there is a 0.01% chance of death. I am telling you, this is the biggest scandal in human history. We are being told you have to do something. You have to take this. You were told that there was no risk. And now what's happening is, it. oh, wait a minute. There's a risk. And what recourse do you have if it's your kid that dies of a heart attack? Who do you sue? Who do you go to? How do you get your kid back? You don't. Here's another story. This is from WND.com. Studies show blood damage in those who got COVID jab. Warning, they put a disclaimer at the beginning of this news story. If you have had a COVID vaccine or booster shot, what this article presents may cause you stress and anxiety. That's the disclaimer they put at the front of their news story. Two recent medical research articles, one from Italy, one from Germany, have been used to document what may be the most important research finding during the entire COVID pandemic period, blood damage that has been detailed through sophisticated research methods is the missing link to explain many negative health conditions ranging from heart problem, cancers, reduced immunity, and death. You can find the full article at WMD.com. I am not going to detail the article. I must tell you I also have a bit of skepticism when I look at these stories. I say, okay, okay, I want to see more. I want more compelling evidence than this. But you have now studies. You have studies coming out of Israel. You have studies coming out of Germany. You have studies coming out of Italy. You have studies coming out of places in the world, not the United States, that are questioning what is going on here. And yet our news media doesn't report a damn bit of this. Why is that? Why can't you find this information as the top story on NBC, on CBS, on ABC? Why can't you find this lead story in the Washington Post, in the New York Times? Why do you have to go to alternate places in the media to find out that there's been, that there have been studies conducted that are telling you that there are problems with the policies that your government has enacted and the mandates that your government has put on you. This is the biggest scandal in human history. And what I want to just, the story I'm still looking for, is about our Governor Hochul. It's one of those follow-the-money stories. So we're going to take a break. And hopefully during the break, I'll go through the thousands of papers sitting here on my desk that I should have had better organized. I should know better by now. And hopefully have that story for you when we get back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming right back after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, on 77 WABC. BG's, a different kind of fever. On this one, a good fever, the night fever.
Come on, turn it up. Check out those platform shoes. I know you have them somewhere in the closet. Your bell but I saw a woman the other day that had the real deal bell bottoms. I mean, they were not in I don't know. She must have had them in her closet for like 30 or 40 years. They were not. They were before the Jordache jeans. I don't even know whether they still make those anymore. But she had the real deal bell bottoms. And they looked so weird and good and wonderful. I just brought back memories of my bell bottoms with the platform shoes. I had a pair of red platforms. What was your favorite club back in the day? By the way, if you are in New York, if you're in the city, if you're in the metropolitan area today, this is a glorious, glorious fall day. This is one of those days if you don't get out of the house, if you don't do something outside, even for a half an hour, an hour, you will regret it. The weather is perfect. The sun is out. It's beautiful. Stay away from the criminals. Stay out of the subways. We've had more bad news in the subways. I don't even tourist young girl raped on one of the train stations. Yeah. But it is still a glorious day in New York. You know, um, last week, Nile Rogers, Omar was playing with him too, Omar Hakeem. Um, this was at the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert in Wembley that I went to and they did Let's Dance and Modern Love. And let me tell you something. They had a vocalist that performed with it. It sounded like the freaking record. It was so amazing to hear. It was so amazing to hear. Everybody was great. And this, they turned this out. Nile Rogers, our own New York City's Nile Rogers. The crowd was so into it. ACDC lit it up. ACDC, Rush, Chrissy Hines was there. She came up with Paul McCartney near the end. Dave Grawl performed with just about everybody. He played bass, he played drums, he played guitar, vocals. His daughter performed. His daughter was amazing. Taylor Hawkins' son ended the show playing drums with the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters, of course, 
turned it out. But I'm telling you, ACDC blew my mind. ACDC was, it, it was stunning how great they were. Nile Rodgers was great too, and Omar, this record, this performance. All right, I found the story. Hoko gave COVID test contract to campaign donor. Oh, why are we not surprised by this? And that campaign donor, guess what he did after he got the contract from, from, from Governor Hochul? He charged taxpayers double. In other words, he got rich on your dime. This was in the New York, in the New York Post. Kathy Hochul had New Yorkers pay twice as much for COVID tests from a company tied to nearly $300,000 in donations to her campaign. So you see, this is how this works. You give Kathy Hochul three hundred grand. you put your company up there, oh, we sell COVID tests. And then what happens? All of a sudden, this company mysteriously gets the bid. Ooh, what a shock. And then they go ahead and rip the hell. They charge you, the taxpayers, double what other companies are charging to, do, to give these tests out. Whether it was pay to play or total incompetence, New York taxpayers and then the federal taxpayers got massively ripped off, says John Caney of the good government group Reinvent Albany. The company is Digital Gadgets, funded by New York taxpayers with the help of federal relief aid. While some companies charge the state $5 for rapid tests, the New Jersey based Digital Gadgets got as much as $13 per unit and a total of $637 million worth of no-bid deals for millions of tests as Hochul pushed schools to stay open amid the Omicron wave. This is what the Times Union has reported. The deal was made under suspended procurement rules enabled by the state of emergency that Hochul has renewed every month since last year. So get this. Hochul sets up her own rules. Oh, it's a state of emergency. I was in emergency. And then she proceeds to give a contract to her donor that just happened to donate $300,000 to her. And then the donor proceeds, according to John Caney of Good Government, to rip off the taxpayers, rip them off, and the group Digital Gadgets, New Jersey, rip-off artists, according to the news story we're reading today. At least that's what John Caney of Good Government Group Reinvent Albany says. They ripped people off. They charged twice as much for the coke. Has anyone contacted these cocoa donors and asked them why they decided to rip off taxpayers like this? Digital Gadgets. That's the name of the company, New Jersey. How come they are not being audited to find out what the real costs are? How come no one's asking questions about this digital gadgets group and their donations? And let's see whether this is pay for play, whether there was a quid pro quo here. Where, why is there no investigation? Now multiply this story by 10,000. 
This is what I mean about this whole COVID thing being a scandal. Where does the freaking money end up with this? What happened to all these billions and billions and billions of dollars that were spent? Who spent all these billions of dollars on vaccines? Where did the money come from? Who gets the money? Whose hands were greased along the way? Who comes up with the contracts for these testing? Is this group Digital Gadgets the only one that was charging twice as much than what the test apparently really cost to deliver? If this is true, if this is true, will there be an audit of this group? Will there be an investigation of Digital Gadgets of New Jersey? Campaign donors to Kathy Hochul? Will Kathy Hochul have to answer questions? Or is this just the way it is? We don't care. It's only money. We make our friends rich off this so-called pandemic. Yes, it was a pandemic. Yes, people got sick. Don't. I'm not one of these deniers. I almost died of COVID. I understand how serious it was. But I'm telling you, there is so much more to this story that needs to be investigated. There is so much ripping off that has happened. There are so many people that use this whole COVID thing as an excuse to throw money to their friends, to their buddies. Why is it that drugs that were already on the market, like hydroxychloroquine, that cost pennies, pennies per dose, were ignored, and we were told, oh, these things don't work? When, in fact, it turns out that, yes, they did work. But they only cost pennies. Why were we steered into getting these expensive vaccines when we already had drugs on the market that could have taken care of this? This is the single biggest scandal in human history. It involves malfeasance. It involves lies. It involves the media lying to people, not just in America, all across Europe and the world. Why is it that we were told we had to lock down and shut down businesses when other countries that kept them open did just fine? Why is it that Florida stayed open and flourished? while New York demanded everybody close down, and this media ragged Ron DeSantis and ragged Christy Nome, when in fact their states did better than New York did when you had Cuomo and this Hoco person running around telling everybody they had to close their business. Why is that? There are so many aspects to this entire pandemic that is fraudulent. People have been given misinformation. People have been lied to. And now people are still being lied to. And how come these vaccine companies are immune from any from paying off for any harm that they've caused people, including killing people in their families, if that can be proven? Meanwhile, our media sits down with their thumbs in their behinds and won't report on a thing on this. But they'll sit down and tell you that, oh, Donald Trump and some stuff at Mar-a-Lago is the most important thing in the world. It the hell is not. Not one damn thing has come out of Mar-a-Lago that is important to the way that we live. Not one damn thing. But all the stuff that really matters, like people dying in your family, like you having to take something in your body, because some politician tells you you have to take it. The stuff that really matters, this news media in this country will ignore completely the truth behind it. And they'll focus instead on a bunch of documents laying on the floor in Mar-a-Lago that don't have a bit of meaning to your life. This is crap.
our media in this country, the mainstream media, not only are they partisan, not only are they biased, they suck. They don't care about you, the American people. They don't care about your lives. What they care about are their political ambitions, and that's it. James Golden, a.k.a. Schnurley, coming back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. No, you said it was going to be a surprise, so I'm just like, wow. I'm just grooving, Diego. Who is this? This is Queen. I thought they were on the gig, too. Yes, Queen brings us back. WABC. Diego, do you have... Okay, I'll tell you when we're going to do it. We're going to do it at the next break. Next break, we're going to hear Diego's bumper. A bumper from Diego's new album. Thank you. Let us head back to the telephone, shall we? Christine in Middletown, Connecticut. How are you, Christine? Hi, good morning, James. Um... You know what? I got to say that was a really fair and accurate interview you had with Tucker Carlson. I would have said the same thing. Wow, thank you. Tucker is Tucker has a new series coming out on Fox Nation and we talked with Tucker yesterday and it is Tucker is examining this business with transgenderism. Tucker I think is as I said to him to him yesterday and I'll tell you again, he's fearless. He will take on issues that are very difficult to, to take on. He is now subject to all kind of criticism for everything he does by groups in the media who want to see him destroyed. And yet he fearlessly goes about his business, taking on the tough issues and doing a great job of it. Tucker is extremely well prepared. He spends a lot of time doing research. And when he comes out with something, his it is very difficult to be in the position that he's in, which is to be under a microscope, and you better get things right. You better not have a flaw, because if you do, then you've got the entire apparatus of our biased mainstream press looking 
to try to take you out and destroy you. And Tucker has done amazingly well under that kind of pressure. He just flourishes. He's carrying the torch. I tell you, he's just, and besides all of that, he's such a decent man and such a decent human being. So we were happy to interview Tucker yesterday, and we hope that it'll be one of many in the years to come. Glad you liked it, Christine. You know, I was on a um, television show here in Connecticut, and I talked about the same thing that I talk with you all the time, about how I'm against this in the school. And I'm beginning to think, James, the reason why we're seeing this, it it came to me, think about it, a well-educated, self-sufficient public is the enemy of communism, and the Democrats hijacked public education a generation ago. The kids aren't thinking for themselves. And population control is a hallmark of communism. And I think this is why they're so eager to get kids on medication so they can't reproduce. And this is why they're forcing the vaccine on people, too. Hmm. You know, um, I I hear people talk about population control. And they're not doing a good job of it, the population control people. What What is happening, though, is that, in countries like America and in certain European nations, and even in Japan for a while, the birth rates were slowing down because people were sort of self-editing themselves. Look, we had over a million people a year being aborted out of the United States. And this went on for how many years? This went on for almost 70 years. We had, not 70, I'm sorry, 50 years. We had... Um, in, in European countries, people are being discouraged. If you look at the whole left, they are trying to discourage life. And they're trying to tell us that it is wrong to procreate. It's wrong. We don't have the resources. It's a lot of nonsense. Yes, we do. So I don't know whether these, 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 these people that are in this whole, uh, population control movement are succeeding. I don't think they are, Christine. I don't think they are at all. Anyway, I thank you for the call. Always wonderful to hear from you. And I and thank you again. Tucker Carlson, to me, is just a marvelous human being. And I'm glad he was able to spend the time with us. We also had David Limbaugh and Christine Limbaugh in with us this week. They have a new book called uh, Resurrected Jesus. And they spend an hour with us. It was really good to hear, to see David and Christine. They were here in the studio. And so if you missed that interview, just check out the podcast. And, and I think you'll enjoy it very much. Let us go to Eddie in Manhattan. How are you, Eddie? Hello, Mr. Snurdly. How are you? Very good, thank you. Um, the uh, and thank you. Um, the unprecedented raid on Mar-a-Lago, going through Melania and Barron, who's a minor, going through their belongings. Why can't once we take the Senate and the uh, Congress and the White House eventually back? Why can't we bring in Jill Biden? I'm sorry, Dr. Jill Biden, for questioning to see what she knows about her husband and Hunter's dealings. She's like a mob wife. (laughs) Government by retribution. Um, I'm not in favor of government by retribution. Here's what I'm in favor of. I'm in favor of if you have the evidence, then you prosecute. Now, we do know that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden have engaged in practices that deserve to be investigated. We know that. We know the big guy. And we know from his laptop. And we know the Department of Justice, our corrupt 
Department of Justice, our corrupt FBI, has failed in their mission. We know that, too. What needs to happen in America, and this is not just, look, look, here's what, I I don't want me-tooism in government. I don't want they did it to us. When we get in power, let's screw them royally. I don't want that. I don't like that. I don't think that is the way that this nation should, I don't think that's the way that we should behave toward each other politically. I don't think that's the way that to advance the American Republic. What needs to happen is that there needs to be one standard of justice, and that standard of justice goes for everybody. It is what we all claim to aspire, equal justice under the law. And that means that if there is evidence of wrongdoing, regardless of political affiliation, it is investigated fully. If there is no evidence of wrongdoing, then you don't. You don't just persecute people because we don't like them or they're or they are political enemies. We have to stop this dual system of justice, this two-tier. And the answer is not for us to now go back and implement the same kind of thing on them. If Joe Biden is not involved politically or, or, or criminally in any action, then leave her out of it. If there is proof that she did something wrong, then she should be investigated. We have to actually establish in this country... First of all, I think the FBI, now I know a lot of Republicans get scared every time you start talking about how corrupt the FBI is. The FBI has been corrupt for decades, and we need to stop playing around with this. We need to stop pretending that FBI has been uh, what we wanted out of an FBI. They have not. They've been a corrupt institution for decades, and they need to be held to account. They need There needs to be a complete sweep of leadership. Number one, the FBI needs to be taken out of the Department of Justice because they are just being used as a political hench organization for the Democrat Party within the Department of Justice. They need to be taken out, and whatever the FBI is going to be called in the future should, should be far away from being able to be bent by a political party, whether it's Republicans, Democrats, independents, or communists. They need to be an ind- a truly independent legal investigation who answers to both Congress and the executive branch. But the current FBI, to me, I'm, I'm going to ask Princess Di about an article that appeared in the uh, uh, Amazon Prime Washington Post about the GOP can't be saved. That's the way I feel about the FBI. The FBI can't be saved at this point. They need to be, we need scratch them, start all over again with an independent organization. The DOJ to me is useless. They're a useless bunch, corrupted through and through. I don't know how you get a broom big enough to sweep that place out. I'm disgusted with the DOJ. Again, complete reform. This idea of the swamp is real, folks. It is a real swamp, a real political swamp, and it needs to be flushed. It needs to be disinfected. If we're going to ever have faith in our government again. Thank you for the call. Wes in Baycliff, Texas. How are you this morning? Good morning, sir. I'm very fine. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, 
Mr. Kennedy, I have uh, two questions for you, if you could, and they're about Rush. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they've just I've just been thinking about him for years and years. Now, the opening of Rush's show, he would play this uh, theme music. Well, Rush explained where that came from and what it was. My uh, question is, uh, before an insane profit timeout or after or uh, during an insane profit timeout, and at the end of the program, there would be this tone with a quick piece of bump music, one note right after that. Did that have any meaning, and where did it come from if it did? Johnny Donovan found whatever that was. We called it a stinger. That was, a, it was like, and was just that, and just like you said, it's hard. And that was just a signature piece that he put before a break, almost like an audio exclamation point. So Johnny Donovan, who was our head of production over at EIB, found that stinger. People have been trying to find its source for years and years. I think it's a secret that only Johnny knows how it was created, where it was created. He found it and it, and, and, and it became, uh, used as the signature sounder going into a commercial break for us for many years. Again, we internally call that our stinger. So that was our stinger. Um, the Chrissy Hine, piece that you're talking about, My City Was Gone, was um, was Rush's theme song, of course, for many years. And there was some feud about it early on, you may remember. Uh, early on, Rush ran into obstacles from the publishing company on that who denied used to play it, and Chrissy overrode that. Her father, as it turns out, was a huge Rush fan. And so we ended up paying royalties to Chrissy Hine for that, to use that song for years and years afterwards and forever to many people. My city is gone will be the theme for the Rush Limbaugh show. And that's how it's remembered. Not as Chrissy Hines brilliant and the pretenders, my city is gone, but that's the Rush Limbaugh theme. And, uh, it is still every time you hear it today, you think about Rush every single time. Thank you. Wes, did that answer your questions? Yes, sir, it did, but I have one more quick one for you. Personally. Sure, go ahead. Okay. Your political beliefs that you have now, when you started working with Rush, were they that way, or did they change over the years you worked with him? I have been a political conservative all of my life, but I didn't know that. So my beliefs have not changed or had not changed. I was a conservative. This is one of the interesting things that I went through with my mom. God rest her soul. My mom came to me after a few, <clears throat> I've been with Rush maybe two or three years. And my mother came to me one day, you know, James, you know, James, my friends at the church, my friends at the church want to know what happened to you. They all knew you growing up. What happened to you? You work with Rush Limbaugh now. What happened to you? So mom, you go tell your friends that I'm the same James they knew growing up. I'm the same James that you and Daddy taught everything that I know. So the question is not what happened to me. The question is what happened to y'all. Because I'm just implementing everything that you all taught me when I was a kid. You all taught me that I, I should love America. You all taught me that America was a land of opportunity, a great land. You all taught me that we should be proud of this nation, that we should and that we could achieve anything that we wanted to achieve if we worked hard. You all taught me the values that I had. You all taught me to believe in God. You taught me to believe in 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 God and country and family. 
and freedom and liberty. Question is not what happened to me, it's what happened to you. So that ended that, Wes. After that, I didn't get any more questions about it. And I think that's, see, that's the thing. A lot of us grew up conservative, but we didn't realize we were conservative until Rush Limbaugh actually put a name on it and said, okay, is these, these, this, 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 this. If you think this, you're conservative because this is what liberals think. This is why he was so great for this nation. Because Rush Limbaugh defined for many of us who we were inside of the political spectrum. And, 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 and then we realized that we weren't alone. So that's one of the amazing things that Rush did. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. And, uh, one more thing. May Jesus bless you, sir. Thank you, Wes. Appreciate you. Bye bye. Bye. James Golden, AK Snurley, coming back more right after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC, the music that you're listening to right now is our bumper music. It's from Diego, our engineer, every week here. On our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, Diego's a musician. This is from your album. Is this your debut album, Diego? It is actually not. It is my third album. Cool. You're doing the vocals. You're doing... Yeah, I do. Um, I do the vocals, bass, the guitars, the rhythm guitars. The lead guitar was uh, Fernando Perdomo, and uh, the drums is uh, my friend Kyle. Cool. And what's the name of this cut? This is "If You Ask Me." This is actually the second version of the song that I released after the album. This is like uh, the album I mixed, recorded. Mastered all by myself. Well, mastered by Ian Gorman, actually, but mixed by me. And uh, I had this song and uh, another song in the album professionally mixed and mastered fully um, uh, by uh, a couple engineers down in Florida. So cool. this is this is the, the newer version. Loving it. And you have a single coming out. Let's mix in the single. Let me let's hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Diego. This is I Need You Now. On WABC. Our very own Diego. Diego, what's the name of the album? Uh, the album is called uh, Wine Red. Wine, W-I-N-E, Red. You can get it where? You can get it on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get music. All right, that's our own Diego, ladies and gentlemen. His third album. Hopefully third time's the charm. This will be the one that uh, 
We wish you all the success in the world with this album, Diego. Thank you so much. Let us head back to the telephones. Mark in Parsippany, New Jersey. Mark, welcome. James, uh, good morning. I just want to say uh, the Republicans, uh, you know, we have our MAGA movement, but uh, the Democrats seem to have this MALA movement, M-A-L-A, you know, make America lousy again. That seems to be their, their, their forte into the public arena. Well, the other thing I mm-hmm. have, go ahead. No, go ahead. You know, the Democrats seem intent on making sure that America believes that we, the people that love this country, the people that love the traditions of America, the people that love the idea that can, that America can be the light of the world, to demonize us as being responsible for what they are calling now a threat to democracy. The only people that are threatening the American republic are these leftists. They are threatening us by opening up our borders. They are threatening us by this incessant spending that has created the inflation wave that is keeping many, is, is holding so many Americans back and threatening their livelihoods, threatening their families, threatening our energy supplies around the world. These people threaten common sense. They threaten, they threaten people that have religious upbringing. They threaten people that want to exercise their freedom of religion. They threaten parents that care about their children's education. And yet they tell us that we are the threat to democracy. These people are hypocrites. These people are the biggest hypocrites, in fact, that many of us have ever, and, and it's hard to even, it's hard to even know how to respond to them because the outrageousness of their telling us that we are the problem when we can see the results of what they've done to this country and what they continue to do. Go ahead, Mark. Look, I, I honestly believe the Democrats are looking to enslave the population to their way of, of, of thinking and their way of doing. And, and, and that's a, it's more nefarious than what you're saying, actually. To me, it's, it's, it's more uh, of an enslavement of an entire population uh, to, the, to their well-being, well, whatever their programs are and thinking is. Uh, the next thing I wanted to say was that our Attorney General, uh, Merrick Garland, uh, He's more like a consigliare than he is an attorney general, and I don't understand why people continue to call him an attorney general because he's not. He's he's Biden's consigliare. That's that's what he is, and 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 our government in in total to me seems like a gangster government. I I've never seen a government like this in my lifetime, and I believe that they're literally a bunch of gangsters. Well, <clears throat> let me just say this about that. We saw hints of it when Bill Clinton was in office. We saw what they, how the Democrats were institutionalizing their power and turning that power on their political enemies. We saw more of it in the Barack Obama administration. Again, how government was being used. You think about Lois Lerner. Think about the way they used the FBI to try to squash, I mean the IRS, to try to squash their political enemies how they tried to use the power of the FBI even then. You think about these things, and now you look at where the, where, where the Biden administration has taken it to where they have no fear of going after an ex-president and trying to do to him exactly what you would expect some third-world banana republic dictator to do. Every progressive Democrat administration carries this degradation of American government further. So when you call them a gangster government, 
everybody, most of us, understand exactly what you're talking about. They are behaving like they're a mafiosi. They are behaving, but they're doing it right out in the open. They're not hiding it. And, yes, there's omerta. If you dare try to speak from the inside about what is happening, you are shut down any number of ways. Any number of ways. And we've seen that happen time and time again since the Clinton years. There's something, too, that I've been thinking about, this idea of what elections are. You know, folks, we don't have to we, – we're at a stage – we don't have to I, – I hear people talking about paper ballots and all this stuff. We don't even have to do that. We have the technology right now to make our elections fraud-proof, and especially using blockchain technology – we have the technological wherewithal to have instant results one minute after the polls close in every single election in this country and to have foolproof, 100% verified, accountable voting. The technology exists to do that right now. Why isn't that being recommended? The reason it's not being recommended is because there are people in this country that don't want your elections run like that. With 100% certainty, with instant results. And the reasons for that, hmm, I leave it up to you to figure out. Our tree coming up. This is the hour coming up that we will hear from our very own Princess Di. We have more of your phone calls coming up, more good music coming up. Our Saturday morning extravaganza, radio extravaganza, continues right here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Don't you dare go away. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our number trio, it is the third hour of our program here. If you want to be part of this morning's, well, it's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, all you have to do is pick up the telephone, 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. Boy, I just saw Curtis. Curtis is knocked out. He's in, he's in Z-Land. <laughs> uh, I'm going to catch up with him during the week. Because this anti-queen diatribe that he was on, <laughs> he and I are going to have a, I want to have a conversation with him about that. There are concerns in some parties that Dr. Oz has been banging his opponent. Let me rephrase that. Has been, <laughs> has been hammering his opponent, Mr. Fetterman, a little bit too hard about health issues. You know, Mr. Fetterman had a stroke. And um, has said that uh, Dr. Oz has mocked him from that. And Dr. Oz did not mock him. He was just saying, hey, if you, we we want to do a debate with you, we'll give you some. And we know you had a stroke. We'll allow you to, to take some liberties that we normally wouldn't do. You can have people talk to you in your ear. 
You can keep your notes with you, blah, 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 blah. And they think that's mocking. It's not mocking. It's being generous to a guy that has suffered through a horrible health problem. Fetterman told the Post-Gazette in July he felt really good and had no physical limitations following the stroke. And yet now he's saying that he's recovering from it and doesn't want to debate. So what is it? Now, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the editorial board has said that the Republican nominee, Mehmet Oz, has raised legitimate concerns about Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman's health. There's another story today about debates, and this is just one of them. One of the debates mentioned in that story. And questioning whether, you know, Republicans should press for debates like this one. I've thought about this for a long time. I wish that Republicans would stop debating Democrats in elections. I wish they would. I just wish they'd stop debating Democrats. Just stop. Why? Because the debates are useless. Debates are just an extension of Democrat Party philosophy because most of the time it is just Democrats asking other Democrats questions that will put Democrats in a better light and the same Democrat press trying their best to do gotcha with the Republican candidate. So what practical value do debates have for Republicans? None. And I wish Republicans would just stop playing the game. Let's stop pretending that the debates are fair. Political debates are fair, like this, these presidential debates when they come up next cycle. I wish the Republicans would follow through and just say, hell no, we're not going to go on any of these presidential debates anymore. No thank you. Until we get a better representation of at least unbiased journalists posing these debates, why should we engage in them? Let's stop. Rush suggested many years ago that Republicans just should stop going on places like CNN. Just stop. Stop going. Why would you go into the enemy's den and expect to be treated well? Well, I think we see more and more evidence of this. Now that Chris Licht is over at CNN and he's trying to implement some changes, here's a story from Dispatch Review. A CNN correspondent struck a nerve with leftists for daring to acknowledge that there are serious questions about Hunter Biden and his business dealings. That was this past week. Sarah Snyder broke from her network colleagues for a tweet, and she said that there were some serious questions that should be asked about Hunter Biden. He's not an elected official, but legitimate questions should be asked and answered about his former business dealings and how it was handled by the FBI. Well, you would think that this was the devil, this woman was the devil incarnate. Liberals have had a cow because this woman dared say what we all should think, that there are legitimate questions here that need to be answered. They raked her over the coals. You look at that alleged journalist they have over at the Washington Post, that that Lorenz woman. 
that is trying to single-handedly take down libs of TikTok. One of these things that Republicans should do is just stop playing the game. Stop playing the game. Stop debating. Let's stop the debates. Let's These candidates, if you're going to be in front of a bunch of liberals, if that's how you, the debates are set up, Republicans should just say no. No, thank you. Unless we have some conservative or some journalists in there from non-liberal news organizations, we're not going to participate. And then they should follow through. Here's a story from NPR that I thought was interesting this week. When the government made school meals temporary, virtually free to virtually all public school students back during the COVID days. The intent was to buffer children and families from the spike in hunger and economic hardship. Now, many advocates are pressing for free school lunch to everybody all the time. It's a tough sell in Congress, NPR says. You know why? Because of those evil Republicans, those Republicans that want to see your children starve. They don't want your children to eat. Those dastardly Republicans. But more and more liberal advocates are demanding it. And did you know California, Maine, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Nevada are now offering free meals to all public school students, regardless of family income, Connecticut has also funded free meals for part of the year. Colorado, voters are going to decide, decide there in November whether school meals should be made free to everybody. What do you think? Should we just be giving away free meals? Just right now, school, come and here's your catering service for your family. Doesn't matter whether you can afford it or not. Everybody's going to get, quote, unquote, free stuff, free meals. You know, of course, by the way, This also is one of the other gifts to illegal immigrants that we give in this country. Oh, come get your free school, get your free health care, get your free, get your free lunch. There is no free lunch. Oh, yeah. Yes, there is. And if you oppose this, well, that means you're heartless, doesn't it? Should we have free lunch? Governor Newsom has been <laughs> taking over the coals, so to speak. He uh, was on Twitter saying this is going to be the hottest and longest heat wave on record, blah, blah, blah. The energy grid is being pushed to the max. He, he made this announcement while he was in a jacket inside because the air conditioning where he was was pushed up so high. <laughs> People noticed. <laughs> he wore a fleece coat in his air conditioning room while urging everybody to save energy. Because the and this is the guy that's now demanding that in California it's going to be all electric cars by 2030. No more gas cars on the electrical grid that they can't even that they can't even deal with right now. The same electrical grid. 
I, I really do actually want to see them do that. I want California to be the first state to go all electric, make sure they're all electric cars. I want to see how they're going to keep their city powered. How, I mean, the state. I want to see how they're going to, they have no freaking water out there. The water is all drying up. Their electrical grid is busted. And now they're mandating all electric cars. I want to see how this works. I want to see, and they're, and they're bullet trained to nowhere that cost billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. I want to see how they pull all this off. And I'm telling you, Gavin Newsom is who the Democrats. This is my prediction. Cannot wait to see what Princess Di says about this. This is my prediction. Gavin Newsom, not Michelle Obama, Princess Di. Gavin Newsom will be the Democrat nominee for president, not Michelle Obama. If it's not Joe Biden, it's going to be Gavin the Great. Watch what happens. Anyway, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, and this is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Your call's coming up, Princess Di coming up. Don't you dare go away. We are coming right back. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. On this, <laughs> the Ascension Day, where Charles III is formally now the king of the British Empire, we have our very own... Majesty, who has already ascended to the heights of power, our very own. And she ain't no witch like Camilla either. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? Um, Hey, look, you know what? Does she, and she doesn't have corgis, I don't think. You have corgis, Diana? I do not. No. Okay. You have, you have horses in your stable that you run around and the corgis... And, and the only no thing barnyard you, animals, nothing. Okay, the only thing you like to talk about is a bunch of horses and world affairs and your corgis. That's one of the criticisms I heard of the queen today. Only thing she liked to talk about, those damn corgis and her horses. And and once in a while, we're, you know what? And, and and by the way, how many, how, some of these people that hate the queen, I'm not getting this. I don't. Why do they hate the woman? The woman was, the woman, I mean, I mean, she's born into, her Nazi uncle abdicated. She didn't want to be, she didn't, she didn't want to be the queen. She had a Nazi in the family, a Nazi loving guy that was going to be queen. They got rid of the Nazi guy. He married an American. They got him out of the way. Okay. So then she says, I'm in line. My dad was the king. I didn't want to be king. Now I'm the king. now I'm the queen. She's the queen. <laughs> well, the royalty has no real political power. I mean, they have cultural power in Great Britain, but no political power. Exactly. So it's like it's like paying attention to kind of Disney World. It's a fake kingdom. <laughs> they don't actually rule. But, you know, it, it gives a measure of stability to the culture, and they love their royalty and following the ins and outs, and I see no harm there. I love my royalty, too. I love you and the and the royalness that you bring <laughs> and all that stuff. But, I mean, seriously, you got all these people on the left that are, like, going off on this woman 
Like she was the epitome of evil. I hope she has an excruciating <laughs> death. I mean, who says that kind of sh- that kind of stuff to people? That's just that's evil. That. They, they 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 live for excuses to do that to just un- unleash their inner you know fascist. But they just enjoy it. This is their happy place to be vicious. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I mean, who was wish this on a ninety six year old woman? I hope she has an excruciating death. Who does this? And then, well, and then, you know they do that whenever anyone who's not a leftist has any kind of problem. They, the mob dis- descends on cult, on uh, social media with that kind of expression. It is just, I think it's a spiritual thing. It's a very demonic sounding how they unleash their hatred. Oh, well, I can get that. Speaking of demonic, um, Greg Sargent in the Washington Post, <laughs> there's a... <laughs> <laughs> now, now. <laughs> <laughs> well, a longtime conservative insider, that's when you know we're getting the demonic conservative. <laughs> along, <laughs> the GOP can't be saved. And I'm like, well, who are they talking about? They're talking about Bill Crystal, talking about demonic. <laughs> Well, you know, Bill Crystal has long not been uh, on our side, and this is the reward he gets in his hometown paper. He gets a tongue bath. Uh, he gets kisses. He gets, <laughs> a tongue you know, bath. <laughs> well, this is basically what this is. It's an Oof. interview where Bill Crystal gets to spew his anti-Trumpism. And, you know, the thing is that so amazing about this guy is that he has never ever succeeded at anything when he was on our side supposedly he never conserved anything as a conservative and the guy is just ineffectual ineffective and so whatever he spews in the washington post you just got to realize it has no power it's annoying and it's irritating reading this he's he's trying to peel away republican votes from the republican party because the republican party cannot be saved because it is trumpy and so he is basically making common cause with the democrats which is Fine. You've been a Democrat for a while. Be a Democrat. You're useless to them as you were to us. So fine. But, you know, his reasoning has some interest to it. He's realizing how helpless he is to stop the quote unquote takeover of of the Republican Party by Trump forces. And so this is sort of a helpless complaint, like uh, basically admitting he lost. The establishment Republicans had a division with the Trump forces, and they lost. The The party is now fully Trumpy. And the interesting, I think, two interesting things he says. One, he was asked by the interviewer, Greg Sargent, what happens if Ron DeSantis is the nominee? Are you going to urge the Republican voters to vote instead for Joe Biden? And he says, yes. So it's not about Trump only. It's about conservatives now. It doesn't matter who the person is. He's going to advise his his little forces, which are minuscule, to vote. Democrat. So he is not in any way to be listened to by anybody in the Republican side. He said he hasn't voted Republican since Trump won. So be a Democrat. 
The second interesting thing I think he says is he's going through history and wondering how Trump basically arrived. And the interviewer asked him, was it because of the failure of the Iraq war? And he says, no. no. He says it was the financial crisis that damaged faith in elites. He puts his finger on exactly why Trump won, which was the voters, us, were sick to death of the elites not doing anything for us in the Republican Party. And that's why Trump won. And he mentions that he was for Palin, who wasn't quite as Trumpy. And he mentioned three issues. Palin wasn't as anti-immigrant, quote unquote, he means anti-illegal immigrant, anti-trade and anti-globalism. Immigration, trade and globalism are three issues that Trump ran on deliberately in 2015, 2016. He made an argument, a political argument on the issues, and he persuaded Republican voters that he was correct. And I get so tired of people claiming that Trump was this blowhard. He had no issues. Everything was emotional. He was just nasty. He ran on issues and he used persuasion in his rallies. And these were three positions that the Republican Party did not hold. And he convinced enough voters that he was correct. And so the Republican Party establishment to this day has not forgiven him. So I thought it was very interesting that that he sort of swerved into the truth there, Crystal did, in his little useless tirade against Trump. Now, the Republicans, the Republican base has always been where Trump was on those three issues. The Republican establishment wasn't. And this was the big disconnect between us, those of us who used to rail about what, how useless and timid, and weak, and feckless the Republican Party leadership was. You don't hear that when people are talking about Trump, because finally somebody stood up for the Republican base that has always wanted a leader like Trump to take these issues squarely on. Everybody had the same reaction when when Trump would talk. People would say, that's what I'm talking about. That's what we've been talking about. Now, I disagree with you on one issue. I think trade was unique to Trump. I think he made the case that one of the reasons that we were seeing the hollowing out of, of so many cities where the manufacturing, the factories were, had been pulled out, he made the case, which I don't think was necessarily clear to Republican voters until Trump made that case, that it was these stupid, and that was the word that Trump used, stupid trade deals. We really hadn't paid it. In fact, a lot of us, including Rush, were originally open to the idea of free trade. We thought that's what this was, which it wasn't. And Trump, who was a contract guy who read the bottom line, basically looked into it and made the case that that was the cause of a lot of, as Perot had said, the great sucking sound, which was the leaving of our manufacturing strength to out, outsource and overseas. And Trump basically made the argument that that was a mistake and we needed to reverse it. And he went a large distance to actually fixing that, which, of course, Biden is now what, what, what are you going to do? Wave a magic wand? What are you going to do? Wave a magic wand and bring those jobs back down there? What are you talking about? Going to wave a magic wand? 
<laughs> well, he did that magic wand it. And yeah. we need the magic wand back because, you know, basically we're in, in sorry straits right now. Mm-hmm. You're still on your Michelle tip. You think, Michelle, I saw at the U.S. Open, you know, they're in New York today. Michelle and Barack, they're here for something or another. Oh. Well, she is she is making a lot of public appearances. She was this week at the White House getting her official portrait uh, revealed. Did yeah, you see that I portrait? Saw it. I, saw it. Well, I thought it was lovely. I <laughs> But, you know, she is in the public eye again, just slowly, and her book will be, you know, a big book tour. She'll get a lot of publicity, so we will see. I mean, we've got $100 riding on Yes, <clears throat> Gavin Newsom. Okay, well, you know, speaking it, of it Gavin is going Newsom, to be Gavin. It is not it is going to be Gavin. You did not read my piece, or you wouldn't say that. Cause I did so read your piece. That. It is going to okay. be Gavin Newsom. It's not going to be a white guy. And it is going to be Gavin Newsom. Gavin, Gavin. I mean, come on. Preppy, California, they already are imagining the videos that Republican activists, not Republican Party, will be running about the homelessness, the crime, the drug use, the pooping in the streets that California is. There is no way that they are going to expose themselves to the uh, political criticism that's going to be inevitable. It's Gavin Newsom. Okay, we'll see. It's not going to be Michelle Obama. Michelle, by the way, was out at the U.S. Open living the jet set life which is what right. she loves doing. She is a and jet she setter. Continue. She loves the life. Her? Who's going to stop her? I mean, you know that Biden has shown the way that you can be president as a figurehead in the Democrat Party. You don't have to do anything but occasionally give a speech. She is going to fit right into the Biden mold because he proved that you don't need to actually do anything, which is her happy place. <sighs> What else is on your mind? Listen, listen, listen. I want to mention something that I'm really a little bit focused on rather than who cares what Bill Crystal says, which is these these dozens of Trump alleys who've who've been served by subpoenas. Okay, now this story, this story I learned about last night. Thank you. And I don't think a lot of people know about it. No. It's it's really frightening. I mean, this was first mentioned yesterday by Steve Steve Bannon, Bannon. who said that 35 Trump allies had been raided or subpoenaed. And then Tucker followed up on it last night and had Harmeet Dillon on, who is a lawyer. And she basically said, yes, there were several of her clients who were subpoenaed. And there is a really important uh, link to go to. This is called Bombshell Report. Dozens of Trump allies raided or served subpoenas by FBI. This is by Nick Arama at Red State. And there you will be able to read, they've blocked out the name of who got this, an actual subpoena. And the requests made are unbelievable, James. I will send this to you and you can put it up on your Twitter feed so people can find it. But basically, this is a First Amendment protected activity. These are people who who actually are part of the PAC leadership of Trump, the Save America PAC. And, and this subpoena is demanding any information that people did about certification, about the fraud, the electoral fraud. They want to know what our side has 
and they're going to basically weaponize this position that there may be questions about the election to become illegal. And so this, to me, is really worrisome. And we saw this rollout with the, you know, gates of hell speech, the blood red speech Biden gave, which was targeting MAGA MAGA Republicans. And then you had, you know, this basic approach of of making MAGA Republicans the enemy for the midterms. And they are trying to make the midterms all about Trump and us, the, the voters for Trump. And so this, to me, is very scary. The Save America PAC is also under grand jury investigation, which has all of Trump's fundraising in it, $99 million, which is very interesting because McConnell wants his hands on that money. And the same attitude is targeting by the Justice Department, the Save America PAC. This is a real threat to them. They are trying so to take to me, out the entire Trump political apparatus yeah. before the midterm elections. And and I think this, this, this Bill Crystal piece is part of that. It is part of this demonization of the Trump voters, the MAGA Republicans, as, you know, scapegoats for all the ills of America. And to me, the question that was asked by Molly Hemingway on Twitter, which is, let me get the actual quote, perhaps someone should check the pulses of every elected Republican. In other words, where are the Republicans? And that's the question we ask often. This is something that people should be in the in Washington, D.C., who represent us, should be running to every camera, to every microphone, and basically alerting the public that this is now gone into a very dangerous place in America, where a political opposition is basically being outlawed. That cannot stand. Well, we shall see whether it stands or not. I think we're in for a lot more scarier days ahead. These people are going to stop at nothing. And I mean nothing. I know, Diana, I mean nothing. This is what I'm saying. And and the first important thing is that we need to be aware of it. We need to pay attention. We need to be informed. And that is one of the greatest things your show does is keeps people informed of what. So we see what we're seeing. Our eyes are open. You know, the left is woke. Well, we're awake and we have to be able to observe first and then react with a legal and passionate Uh, expression of our First Amendment rights. We say out loud what we believe, and we vote. Amen to that. Your Highness, as always, wonderful to have you, Princess Di, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Princess. We'll be uh, with you next week, and we are going to be keeping our eyes on this. More than our eyes on this. Thank you. And I will post that to Twitter. So those of you... I will send it to you. At BoSnerdly.com, just check the Twitter feed um, within moments of the program being done. We'll talk with you soon, Princess Di. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, back Thank after you. this. Thank you. Oh knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Every time I hear it, it makes me dance. <clears throat> Martha Reeves, Vandellas. You know, we never played Jimmy Mack. 
But this is my all-time Martha and the Reeves, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas favorite heat wave. That doesn't take you back. Head back to the telephones, Barbara in Long Island, New York. How are you this morning, Barbara? Oh, great. Good morning, James. You know, I wanted to just mention about the Queen. Um, when Boris Johnson resigned, he showed us that um, it was for lying. He showed us that the truth counts. The Queen was the defender of the faith in Britain. She was the keep calm and carry on keeper of the British culture. And we don't have that daily reminder in our culture. Um, and I feel that that's a huge thing lacking that the British have someone to remind them that the faith is always right on top. It's always number one. And in all of the speeches and uh, snippets that they've shown since her passing, she mentions, may God help her and may God guide her. And she also mentions for her British subject, whatever faith you are, I hope that this guides you as well. Now, we don't have that. Again, we don't have that in the American culture. Someone to remind us on a daily basis that they are service. They are, again, the keeper of the faith. And I think that that's missing. I think that that was something they kept. And that's the reason why, that's the reason for Brexit. They they had a, a constant reminder of what they were all about. And we don't have that in America because we're so diverse. Well, we are diverse, but what we did have in America was a common understanding of what it was to be an American. And that's what's missing right now from America, this sort of common contract, unwritten contract, that no matter, and this is, is, you know, what's so amazing about that to me is no matter what this country has gone through, there was still that understanding and belief mm-hmm. in the promise of America. This is why even before the civil rights days, why so many people could still hold this promise for America and why men like my dad could serve in a nation's military when in fact they weren't granted the same rights as a <laughs> yeah. citizen because they still believed in the promise of America. They believed yeah. in the American values. And that's what we need a reminder of. We had a president recently that did remind at least a large segment of this country of what it was that made America great. And we saw the reaction to that from the left. They don't want America to be great. Interesting. Thank you, Barbara. Appreciate your call. Appreciate your comments. 
Fred, New Milford, New Jersey. You're on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Fred? I'm great, Bo. It's great to talk to you. Um, just wanted to remind people, you know, the 9-11 Museum just recently closed. And how could that happen in this country? How do the billionaires in this country don't rescue a, 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 an institution like that that reminds people of what happened that now, day? Now, let's be really um, clear. There are two 9-11 museums. The memorial uh, place is still open. This was a, another another museum. We're not talking about the main memorial to 9-11. That's still open. Most once a week. Uh, I work down in that area. But uh, the museum itself uh, was, for me, was sacrosanct. It was, was, was sacred. And how could this possibly close? How, how could it possibly close? It? How could it possibly close? May I answer your question? And I'm not trying to be funny. How could it possibly close? How could it be possible that 21 years later, the mastermind of 9-11 is still sitting around in Club Gitmo? How is that possible? How is it possible that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed has not even been brought to trial yet? How is, is it that under under Joe Biden, under Obama, that many of the people who were involved in fighting America in the war of terror were released and repatriated to their country so they could resume the fight? How is it that we have forgotten already this idea of connecting the dots and our intelligence agencies back to try to depose an American president instead of identifying who the real enemies are in our in our country. How is it? Because Democrats and liberals have made sure. How is it that when any time we talked about um, attacks that were coming from a potentially, like, for instance, you, we all laughed at this because it became so common. A guy would do an attack in America, and in the attack he starts shouting, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And, and instead, what we got from the news reports of, well, unclear as to his motive, unclear as to the motive. Well, we knew the motive. The motive was a terrorist motive, which is not to say, by the way, and I do have a great deal. I have friends, by the way, that are devout Muslims and devout practitioners of Islam. So don't read into what I'm saying to say that there is that all Islamic people are because they never believe that garbage and neither do most Americans. We know how to differentiate between what we're being told and what we see and what terrorism is. But you wouldn't believe that from the news media. How is it? Because the Democrats pervert everything and it doesn't take them long. Remember, it didn't take a year after 9-11, before the Democrats started using 9-11 as a political weapon to try to get rid of George Bush, 43. How is it? Democrats never wanted it to be remembered in the first place. I'll give you the last word. Oh, he's gone. How is it? That's how it is. Democrats never cared about making sure that we remembered Andrew in New Jersey, Byron, New Jersey. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77, James Goldman, a.k.a. Snurdly. Uh, good morning, Bo. Um, yeah, well, well, first of all, there's no such thing as a Democrat. It's Demo-rat or Demo-brat. Take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't help but be sarcastic because they, they really have their heads as well, you know. Where. Well, anyway, 
The main reason I'm calling, among other things, is to tell you about this great solo album that Tony Kay, who's the original Yes keyboardist, released a year ago. And, it, in, for, and it's about 9-11. It's a concept album, very clever. The artwork is incredible. It tells you everything about 9-11. And 10% of all sales go to, uh, to the Gary Sinise Foundation. Yeah, Gary Sinise. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, well, everyone should be buying this album because it's fantastic. It's, it's over an hour long, you know, and it... It sounds like a movie soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist. Somebody should make a movie about 9-11, and the music has already been done by Mr. Tony Kay and his wife, who sings some of the songs. Why does someone on. have to call Tony? I haven't talked to yeah. Tony in ages. Oh, you talked to Tony Kay? Ages and ages ago. He used oh, my to, God. Yeah, Tony Kay. I used to, in fact, I hung out one night in L.A., this sounds like the title of a movie, One Night in L.A. Tony Kay and I and some other friends, we all hung out together, went to Whiskey A Go-Go, and went to some other places. Tony's an amazing guy. So, yes. California get, now. Yeah. But, of course, he's from England originally, of course. Exactly. Yes, he's a, he's, he's a British a, man. He's a great guy. Yeah. Well, if you ever get it, well, ask him why he doesn't. Every time Yes comes out with something or one of their, one of their members, it doesn't get any um, promotion. I don't look. Yeah, I don't know why. Who can explain these things? Anyway, thank you for letting us know about that, Andrew. We appreciate it very, very much. Roberta, Staten Island, New York. Welcome. Hi, morning, James. I just want. I think it should be a national day of, of mourning. I mean, it's, it's, I don't feel like it's that you remembered good enough. It was the the, the worst day in our history, and. Uh, they should do something more about it. On 9-11. I'm going to address that. We're yeah. going to go to a break. Thank you, Roberta. I'm going to address that when we get back. James Golden, a.k.a. Sterling, back with you right after this. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Taste of Honey brings us back. Time is running out. We're going to do rapid phones. I'm going to get to as many people as possible. The only thing I ask is please make your point right away. Viviana, we're going to start with you in Brooklyn, New York. Thank you for waiting. Yes. Um, the, uh, Senator Ron Johnson is uh, uh, important in terms of he had a roundtable on COVID, a second response. Three of the um, uh, the findings were that um, Dr. Robert Malone said absolutely no vaccines for the children. Uh, DOD um, had significant adverse reactions, and they have been hidden or blocked out of their uh, system of reporting. And the government, for the first time, interfered with doctor-patient relationships by letting, uh, telling them what, what protocols were, um, were valid and which could not be used. Doc, uh, Robert, Senator Johnson will be with us on Monday or early this week. I believe it's Monday. But one way or another, he'll be with us in the early part of the week. So thank you for that alert. We will certainly talk with, with Senator Johnson. Jo Senator Johnson has been a leader on this front. So we will keep you posted. Be sure to, to uh, be with us during the coming week. You will hear directly from Senator Johnson. Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey, how are you? 
It's great to be here with you. I'm somewhat of a 9-11 survivor. I had a part-time job, Windows on the World, and as you know, everyone was killed that was there, my coworkers, but I wasn't there that day. But on a much lighter note, um, David Bowie, who played the guitar on the uh, song, the two songs that you were referring to, and uh, one famous guitar player, but you don't see him in the video. And who would that be? Flooding down in Texas, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, in Let's baby. Dance. Let's Dance. He plays the guitar. Love it. How'd you, man? I love these music aficionados that call us and have all the inside information. That was pretty cool, Andrew. Thank you. Appreciate the knowledge. Let us go to Tony in North Brunswick. Hi, Bo. Um, I, I heard everybody talking uh, about how they want everything to, to the world to be perfect and, and the politics to be perfect. What happened? Oops. He's gone. John, Staten Island, how are you? Oh, crazy. Hey, John. I took one trip one time in Miami. We came there by cab. It's crazy to come here and see this stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, your radio is up, and it's giving us feedback. Turn it up. We'll tr- turn it off. We're going to put you on hold. We're going to try to come back to you. Meanwhile, we're going to head to Bradley Beach, New Jersey, and Bill. Bill, welcome. Uh, hi, James. Good morning. I guess his phone connection wasn't perfect. But uh, anyway, remember Obama started uh, the FBI spying on Trump before he was even elected, and then he's spying after. So when did they stop spying on uh, President Trump? And the Johnson, you talk about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. That's the one I have, and I think that's the most safest one out there because that's the one they talk, they complain about the most and find stuff on. All the others are great, and nothing happens to anybody with them. So I think John. But I originally called about the Queen, and imagine if you you were a father and you had a business to run, and you you left the business to your daughter. How you be smiling right up, down on her for the seventy years that she ran the business. She ran it with grace and hard work. And that's the biggest thing, hard work. And it's, they should be, uh, pe- pe- people should be uh, sh- showing girls, like uh, just a heart, this girl from a uh, teenager, you know, just uh, with grace and hard, hard work. And the harder you work, the luckier you, you seem to get in life. And pe- instead of complaining about everything, what you don't have, just if you work hard, you probably find you, you get a lot more out of it. And so you got a great... When she ascended to the throne, she said one thing. She said she vowed. She made a promise. She told the people of Great Britain, which she was the queen, not England, Great Britain, United Kingdom. She said, I am going to dedicate my life, my service to you. And that's what she she promised them. She said, my entire life will be dedicated in service to you. She kept her word. She and and it is an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing to have someone make that vow and then keep that vow. Regardless of what you think about the politics of the monarchy or whatever else, I think we can all agree that she did act as a responsible leader for her entire life. And that's pretty incredible. Rick in Elmont Park, New York. Welcome. How are you? How are you doing today? There's Great. a photo online that exposes the pecking order of the elites. It's Evelyn de Rothschild poking Prince Charles in the chest 
with his index finger like a schoolyard bully. Mm-hmm. And you could look at that picture and you could put your own caption in there and question like, is he telling him what to do or is he reprimanding for not listening to his orders? <laughs> or maybe it was something altogether. It is so hard for us to look at one snapshot of one millisecond and draw a proper conclusion from it. It is a very difficult thing to do. We weren't there. David, Staten Island, thank you for waiting. What is on your mind this morning? Bo, I sent a letter to the BBC honoring the Queen on her Diamond Jubilee, being the oldest, uh, blessed being the oldest monarch in Europe. I also sent a note relating uh, with it that my two of my descendants were vice counsels to Queen Victoria. And it was a recent discovery that I never knew. Oh, wow. Very cool. So I take it that you are saddened by the passing of the Queen, David. One is Van Loon, the first family in the city of New York, Amsterdam. And the other one relates to the Mayflower. And uh, they somehow, later on, after the British came in with guns, threatened the Dutch, we take Manhattan, whether you like it or not, or we'll blow your place apart. Wow. <clears throat> I don't even know what to make of that. But, David, thank you for sharing. Appreciate that. Marie, in Rockland County, how are you? Hi. Um, I want to tell anyone who romanticizes communism to read the 1958 book, The Naked Communist, which promotes homosexuality. There are 45 steps toward achieving communism that include promoting homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity, and trying to get children away from their parents. This is a plan. This transgenderism crap is a plan. And a second quick thing, uh, Body King Charlie took Defender of the Faith out of his oath a few years back. Hmm. So... Check those out. But absolutely, the irony of communism is they hate homosexuals. They imprison okay. them. Okay, so, so the naked communists. So I'd rather deal with our big news story today than naked Martha Stewart. But anyway, thank you for the call. I do appreciate it uh, so much. Bernie in Staten Island, New York. You're up next. Uh, in the late 1700s, our people had an ideology they believed in an ideology that was enabled them to lick the British because they believed in it deeply with all their souls. They believed in a government that was for the, of the people, not of the monarchs. But today, the Americans, don't, the Republicans, don't believe in anything. Republicans no do ideology. believe in something. Come on now. Republicans believe, or many of us believe, that America is a great and exceptional nation. We do believe that small government works best. We do believe in fiscal responsibility. We do believe in people and the fact that our mission should be to help people empower their own lives and not be dependent on government. So it is a fallacy to say Republicans don't believe in anything. There are plenty of things that we believe in. Now, there are a lot of swampy Republicans who have been talking like they're conservative for eons, but they haven't demonstrated they believe in anything anymore since Donald Trump came to being, so in, politically. An exception. Senator Cotton, Senator Cruz are exceptions. 
They believe in it. They believe. Well, Senator Cruz are not exceptions, though. That's what, look, look, the exceptions are the people, well, look, the Senator's not it. You have to look toward the people. Who are the Republicans, the grassroots Republicans that propel Donald Trump into office? The base. That is who the Republicans are, not the swampy Republicans. That's who Republicans are. Well, conservatives, anyway. Time is up, sadly. We have so many people on hold we couldn't get to. I apologize. But we'll be back on Monday. More opportunity to speak with you, speak with everybody. Listen, may God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. Larry Kudlow is up next. I see Larry. Right there. America's economist, the man, Larry Kudlow. Make sure you stay here and listen to every single word. We'll catch you on Monday. Bye.